Welcome back to another episode of the Sounder at Heart podcast. I am Jeremiah O'Shan. I'm Mark Kastner. This is the Sounder at Heart podcast. Joined by my co-host, Mickey Turner. Casey's the other voice that you hear. Tim Foss. Of course, Ari Lillian Wall. This has been an extremely weird podcast. Getting dragged all day. Just the bottom line is they, they don't have an answer to that. There's a reason they got signed to first team contracts. And if you're not going to give them respect for that, then have fun losing again next Very year. special guest, Brian Spencer, head coach of the CL Sounders. You know who he is. Brian how are you doing? I'd start off, Jeremiah, by saying one thing, and this isn't my quote. I have to attribute this to Tom Dutra. He always says, tough times don't last, tough people do. Welcome back to another episode of the Sounder at Heart podcast. I am Mark Kastner, and I have an all-star cast with me today. I have Jeremiah O'Shan, editor-in-chief extraordinaire of Sounder at Heart, Tim Foss, Ari Lillenwall, and Casey I can't do your last name. Do uh, now. Do now. Dude, mm-hmm. that's, a, that's easier than I thought it's it was. A, it's a command. If you think of it as a command, it'll yeah. roll right off the tongue. Of course, we're here to talk to you about the greatest soccer team in the world, Seattle Sounders. Uh, we'll start off the show talking about, uh, of course, Brad Smith, and we'll, we'll have a little bit of a Jordan Morris discourse, which... Uh, we'll never die, especially if Ari is with us. And, yeah. then, and then we'll talk about uh, the match against LAFC tomorrow night. We are recording on Thursday. You're probably listening to this on Friday. And if you're listening to this on a day after that, that's cool too. So, of course, we need to talk. start the show with the biggest transfer story in the world right now. Of course, it's not, it, it's not Gareth Bale. It's not the, Thiago to LAFC or uh, – Liverpool FC. It's uh, Brad Smith to Seattle. Um, I was talking with Jeremiah off air before before we started recording, and both of us were just completely caught off guard uh, by this. Uh, Ari, you in the MLSsoccer.com world, did you did you guys know this was coming, or was this just sort of boom? Yeah, no, I didn't know it was coming. Uh, but I mean, it makes sense if you look at where Brad Smith was at in his career I mean he never he he wasn't breaking back in at Bournemouth when he went back there I don't even know did he have a club right now no he was out of contract he's been out of contract contract. since uh, July needed a club played very well when he was here helped them win MLS Cup Um, you know the the whole joke is that they're just stacked at left back again but I don't think that's a bad thing Um, it opens up some options for the starting 11 makes them deeper gives them one of the better starting left backs in the league again. So yeah, I mean, I, I, it's a good pickup. Yeah. Tim, if, if I was going to ask you, what's the position that the Sounders could get better at pretty low on the list is left back, huh? Yeah, I, I definitely wouldn't have picked left back and I would have probably said that targeting left back as a spot to improve upon was a, waste of time and energy and money probably but uh it sounds like brad smith really wanted to be here and was willing to you know structure his contract in a favorable way for the sounders to make it make sense for them and i think especially with the way that the sounders played last game with uh joven jones moved up into midfield he played really incredibly well. Uh, so if, you know, playing Joven Jones at right mid ahead of Kelvin Leardom and you get Brad Smith in at left back, um, 
I think it really is a move that seems like it improves them all over the field beyond just an upgrade from having a good left back to an even better left back. Yeah, I, I thought it was funny. Uh, Le- Garth uh, today on the press you know, presser with Garth Lager General Manager had, of Sounders FC. Yeah. Uh, so he was talking about this move today, and he used the word optionality, which is a word I thought he made up, but it it's turns out uh, it's a real word. And You've never worked I for assume- a startup before, have you? Right. Yeah. Well, apparently, I, I, st- I worked in a. I, I, I guess technically, I did work for a startup, but we didn't use those. We did use disrupt. Oh, nice. That's on yeah. the bingo card. Exactly. Um, but uh, yeah, optionality was not a word I was familiar with. I. You can guess what it means. It's not a hard word to figure out. I just had never heard it. I thought that was very funny corporate speak. Anyway. Uh, but yeah, he he kind of like implied that it was a a move that affects not just left back, but it affects, you know, right mid because of Jones and maybe you move rolled on back to defensive mid and maybe you slide Svensson back to center back if you want. And you have all these moving parts. And I think it's a good, you know, it's a long-term move in that they're signing Smith through 2022. Apparently the contract is kind of backloaded, so it doesn't hit the cap super hard this year. Uh, But it, in the short term gives them some flexibility to do different things. And especially with the way the schedule is, I I suppose that's good just to have any options because, uh, you know, you never know what's going to happen and you're playing two games a week, you know, three games every nine days, essentially. Yeah. I think like uh, the optionality is of course great, but we, I think it, it, I think we kind of need to talk about the elephant in the room and that's, what does this mean for new who and kind of explore that conversation a little bit. Does any, anybody have any idea what it means for new who or does I mean, nobody, nobody want to take that? I don't know if it means like that much in the sense that I knew, I guess new who had been starting more this year, especially at the tournament. Right. Uh, but the way he's been deployed the last couple years is more as a like late game defensive substitution when you're maybe maybe trying to close out a game. Um, And so you can still use him like that, but it's not like he was the 100% first choice starting left back and this knocks him off that peg because it seems like the first choice, first choice lineup in the most recent games has been Jones at left back aside from the Quakes game where they moved him up. Um, but I think Nuhu just stays where he's at, which is as a late game defensive sub. Uh, and, you know, we've all been talking about for years, whether or not they're going to sell him, and it hasn't happened yet. So for now, I think it's, it's kind of a similar situation. Yeah. I, I think the most interesting thing about this signing is it's actually a little bit unclear which player is on the hot seat in terms of the starting 11. Cause to Ari's point, if we're assuming Jones is the new right mid and maybe Roldan's the new center mid, that doesn't change Newton's role at all, but it would change Svensson's role. And yeah. we could – and maybe Svensson – I mean, we could we could play that game forever, and, and someone's going to be odd man out. But I think overall it's a good signing because I still think the depth of last year's squad gets underrated. I know Staccini was disappointing – 
but just the idea i haven't heard in years yeah Yeah, (laughs) name drop but just the idea that we signed someone on tam from argentina and they couldn't break into the squad but they were still in the 18 for like the last 10 games like that team was so deep uh you know and they had jones and knew who and smith that left back last year as well and i actually thought that played out nicely and all three played a fairly significant role you know in the playoff run so I actually, for me, depth was like the biggest concern heading into the year. So I kind of agree with Garth that the way it affects the optionality, it basically makes you deeper at three positions at once. That said, if we end up at a point in the season where Schmetzer starts doing, I'm only subbing outside backs, even when we're down a goal mode, uh, that'll be depressing. Yeah, that was... I would like to think that we we've moved beyond that. It's uh, so far it's been encouraging. I, I think with the five subs, it almost forces him to no longer do that. But yeah. man, uh, the days of using two subs and both of them are your outside backs, I would like to think are are behind us. I hope so. And on top of that, at least for the end of this MLS season, uh, the Sounders can use five subs in a game, uh, which. I don't know if that'll stay. It doesn't look like it's staying in other leagues as they kind of, as the European leagues restart their, their seasons and, and whatnot. But uh, between now and MLS cup, theoretically the Sounders can, can use five subs. So maybe it's, you know, just for instance, like if they're playing on Saturday night and Wednesday night, then the following Sunday, one player gets 60 minutes at left back 30 minutes then 60 minutes, so on and so forth. So, uh, yeah, the way this season is structured certainly makes depth even more important. Though, while we're on Nuhu, I do want to throw out something you said off-air, Mark. I won't say the specific thing, but you mentioned some hypothetical trades that could maybe maybe we get Nuhu to a greener pastures and more depth at center back. I do think doing something like that would make a ton of sense right now. And I do feel bad for Nuhu that he hasn't had the opportunity to just grow into the role as an unquestioned starter because you have to look down the MLS list and think there are a lot of teams that would give him that opportunity. Yeah, and I, I, th- like, I, do, I think the coaching staff over the last couple of years has certainly given him the opportunity. I just don't, I don't know if he's done the best. Like I thought he was I, – I thought he looked the best he, he has in the Sounders uniform at the MLS's back tournament. Um, and that ended after four games. So if, if we're just saying he looked okay for four games and he hasn't necessarily like he started against, um, he started against San Jose in a game where, uh, seven goals happened. He, he's not on, he's not in a, getting an assist from the left back position in that kind of game. Is he ever gonna do it? I don't know. Um, and maybe it was. I was hoping he was gonna break through in that game. I was like, I think this everybody is was. Almost scored. Well, he's almost scored so many times. And yeah. and when we're talking about almost scoring, it's a goal. It's it's a shot that has an xG value of like point zero nine. So it's like it's not it's not an incredible chance or anything. Uh, but it, I I, mean, I don't. I just I, wanted to. Yeah. I wanted to jump in real quick on that. Uh, I think I have like after MLS is back, I think I may have actually written that he had done enough to prove he belongs as the starter. 
But I have to admit, even even now, looking back on that, I I don't think I was wrong. I think he showed that he's a quality MLS starter. But I think it's also fair to say that even though he might be capable of starting, he's still not the best he's still not seen as the automatic best option for the Sounders and he's he's maybe good enough but he's not like if they feel like they can be great at that position and and I assume they feel like Brad Smith potentially makes them great at that position why wouldn't you upgrade and you know knew who's a great piece to have on your roster and he's a he's a kind of wonderful luxury item to be able to bring off the bench as a as a player who shuts down the the opposing defender, uh, the like keeps your lead. But if he's not necessarily the best player going forward, I don't know. Hard to blame them, right? Yeah, and I think I think there is potential of him having trade value in MLS. And then, of course, like it feels like every winter there's there's been a rumor of New going to some sort of team overseas whether that continues to happen in kind of the, the COVID affected world um, will remain to be seen. But um, I certainly think it, his stock hasn't plummeted within the league at all. So if the, if the Sounders do want to use him as a trade piece, either in this window or in the off season, I, I, I don't think there would be hard feelings on either side. I think to that end, you know, maybe moving Nuhu, whether that's a trade within the league or a sale or loan elsewhere, might look a little bit more appealing or manageable having Brad Smith signed for longer, where previously the other options that they had were, you know, Brad Smith on loan, like that move might get easier for them and I think Nuhu is definitely good enough defensively to start as a left back for a team but the Sounders in particular really want offensive creation and production from their fullbacks and I think there's plenty of teams where that's not as big of a focus they are you know maybe an expansion team that wants to be defense first and get that from their fullbacks before anything else um, that, yeah, I think there are plenty of scenarios where it makes sense for them to move new who, even if I would be sad to see him play for someone else. That's what I was just going to say. You guys are all talking about trading new within MLS. I feel like if that actually happened, it would be, uh, there'd be a lot of sadness going on. I, I I wouldn't be, be I, I wouldn't be sad or ha- happy. I would just be you know like Freddie Montero plays for a different MLS team right now. Uh, yeah, that's true. Like it, so, some sometimes things. Ozzy Alonso plays for Minnesota. Has played against the Sounders. Like just the way that this league works. I think sometimes you have to more so than than other soccer leagues around the world. You kind of have to literally make trade-offs <laughs> um so yeah i like i i think i've gotten kind of this reputation over the last year or so as, as somebody who's like you know really down on new who i'm not of course like if new who succeeds the team succeeds like i i would really like to see that happen i just think like if he is your starter you can obviously do better which the sounders have twice in the last 
couple of years with Jovan Jones and Brad Smith. So um, I think yeah, that's I, why, I'd, sorry, I'd, I'd be happy to see him leave just because I just want to see, because I like him and in what other team are there three starting caliber left backs? And I just, I want to see him run free somewhere else. And it also, yeah, I want to see him get 2000 minutes or. Yeah. I don't, and I know we won't miss him necessarily. I mean, we will miss him, but we have the players. He's not leaving yet. <laughs> He's literally He's not still not leaving yet. I'm just saying he also gives me a little bit of anxiety. It, at this point, the pressure for him to get a goal or assist is so high that it actually like stresses me out a little bit. And I think it play. kills, I think it kills a lot of flow in the offense. It kills a little bit of flow, but if he was on another team, I would be so much more happy to just be like, choo, choo, new who do your thing. <laughs> I, I think uh, I think that's that's enough uh, Brad Smith versus <laughs> New Who chat. Uh, certain people on Twitter, I'm already I'm already for prophesying the mentions that we'll get because of this conversation. But one thing you can't argue with is that this Brad Smith move makes the Sounders' best player Jordan Morris better with having somebody like Brad Smith overlapping. And I think with that said, I think we need to unleash Ari. Uh, I don't, if if you haven't been following along, which uh, if you know, like if you have things like a family and a real life and a job, it's totally understandable <laughs> that you don't spend your whole entire day on Twitter.com. But for the five of us on this podcast, that's what we do do. So um, over the weekend, I think Ari. Uh, well, I I guess. I guess even further back, Jordan Morris played pretty well against San Jose. And any time Jordan Morris plays, has, has a good performance. A certain segment of United States men's national team fans like to point out that he uh, doesn't play in Europe, uh, which I think is uh, unhealthy behavior. But uh, that's what happens. That's just kind of the any, – anytime he plays well, that happens. Uh, Ari decided to jump into the debate and I will kind of just let Ari explain and then we'll just kind of have a nice conversation about why we think these people are wrong. (laughs) Yeah. So my, my whole point that I was trying to make with my original tweet um, was just that the narrative, which is a pervasive one that Jordan Morris has somehow capped his development by not playing in Europe and choosing to stay in Seattle. Um, You can actually look at how he's performed for the U S national team and get an idea as to whether that's true or not. And the fact is that last year he was very good for the U S national team. He played 779 minutes. He scored five goals, had six assists. Those are better numbers than Christian Pulisic put up over a very similar amount of minutes. Now, a lot of the negativity I took from this was comparing him to Pulisic, but basically people trying to say that you're citing goals and assists and saying that Jordan Morris is better than Christian Pulisic. No, that's not what I was saying. I was just saying that they put up very similar numbers and Jordan Morris clearly played very well. Otherwise I don't think that would be the case. Um, So, you know, maybe that part of what I said wasn't clear enough. Uh, I touched on that in a, 2600 
word piece on Sounder at Heart where I addressed a lot of the pushback that I got. And, you know, I tried to be diplomatic and admit to the points that people made that I thought were valid. My original thread, it, 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 it was red hot. It was red hot. So I, I tried well, to keep it. I think, I think you're being very polite. I, I don't mean to cut you off. But first of all, we have to learn to read. We've got to learn to read as a society. Nowhere in your tweet did you say he was better than Chris and Pulisic. That was like the first thing that well, like set I'm me talking, off. I'm talking about the part where I said it was statistically proven that Jordan Morris should be a U.S. national team starter. But to your point, I'm actually, you know, I tried to dial that, that back a little bit. still doesn't mean he's better than Chris and Pulisic. It doesn't mean he's better than Christian Pulisic. And I, you know... Yeah, you're right about that. But I'm I'm more I'm more back to being bullish on the fact that he should be a starter right now. As I completely right now, agree. So. I don't know who like who are they? I don't know right, who right. are they so, pulling well, out I'll, of thin I'll, air. Uh, I'll I'll get into all that. But okay, uh, I, I want right. to I, I want to start uh, by saying that I think just the whole situation in general got unnecessarily vitriolic, uh, and it it speaks to you know I had people just going after me man like i would say worse than i've ever yeah it's it's not real it's not like it's not behavior you expect to see from adults and grown men in particular no and and yet this is what was happening and you know it speaks though to the greater just incessant cynicism and toxicity within this segment of the u.s national team fan base um so i mean i just want to say off the top you guys are weird your accounts have trump supporter bot like qualities they do you stay you stay anonymous you have fake profile pictures and handles with 17 numbers in them and so you know why do you do that i think everyone knows why and so you can act toxic and negative like this without having to put your name on put your put your name on it and i put my name on every take that i make i'm not out there doing this anonymously okay you're a so, if you're just going to sit behind your anonymous profile and fling insults at me just because you disagree with the soccer take I had, all right? So, so, so you're, that's that's just weird behavior off the top. Okay. Yeah, and I think it's I think it's important to let Ari do this because he's he had himself quite a week, and Thank you. <laughs> uh, I just you know I, I think we're friends before we are any anything else. So as a friend, yeah, well, I wanted so, to give you this platform. Point, I, I I really appreciate the platform, both for the piece and for me to do this. Um, But so at one point while I was writing the piece, Mark and I were kind of going back and forth. Like I'd sent him a draft and he was sending me notes back and stuff. And he was like, all right, I mean, this part sounds a little too much. Like you're just addressing it specifically to at USMNT fan 438658772 or whatever. And, you know, I I, I got, I was fired up. Okay. So that, uh, it was a good point, and we worked on it to to dial that aspect back uh, a little bit. But now that I'm on this podcast and I'm allowed to just go off, uh, I'm going to to speak a little bit to at USMNT. Well, I want I want to get the the thought behind having the segment is we will eventually actually talk about Jordan Morris being good at soccer. But yeah, yeah, I, I think I, I want to point something out first. And yeah. it's, it's more of a conversation about society and like where we kind of are in, in our 
just where we are in the world right now. Uh, I think everybody's anxious. Everybody has some uh, built up frustrations right now. We've been inside for six months. Uh, Society around us has kind of collapsed. Everybody we've sort of looked to uh, for leadership, whether it's uh, politically or otherwise, has failed us. and, and soccer and sport in general, I'm a soccer fan. I don't really watch other, other sports, so I can only speak specifically to soccer. Soccer is a release. It's, it's meant to be fun. Uh, if you don't have fun with soccer and if it's become another, another thing in your life that is so anxiety-inducing, I think you – should evaluate that. And, and I'm really speaking to myself because you can either get frustrated with somebody, a player's performance on the field, not to mention any sort of center backs that may or may not play for the Sounders that I've gotten frustrated at. Or it's just like, this is, this is meant to be fun and everything around it is meant to be fun. So if you're logging on to a website anonymously, anonymously to yell at somebody, like, Think about that. It, is that really how you want to spend your time? Uh, and if I you want to jump, yeah, I, I kind of want to jump in a little bit though. I, I don't know how many of those people are listening to this podcast. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's and I think no, but I, a, I think it's an I, important reminder for all of us. Sure, absolutely. But I, I think as far as like the, the people that are unloading on Ari are not like the ones that are we're talking to right now no i and that's why i don't want to spend so much time talking about this and i kind of did want to have a segment about actually talking about jordan morris becoming a superstar but it was everybody's behavior it wasn't all gonna be a response to (laughs) at usmnt fan yeah four two eight seven seven six five that was was just a little piece and and everybody's (laughs) behavior has changed because we've all been stuck inside of our home offices which are literally our living rooms for six months and i like i just think it's important to take time and recognize what you're taking your anxiety and frustration out on yeah and okay so including you ari (laughs) do you think there's a point where like and maybe it's not people getting upset at jordan morris for the decisions that he makes but there's a danger of people you know making being a soccer fan or a Sounders fan into their whole personality. That's where another then episode. if those things do not like reach the standards that you've set for them, there's no possibility of success. That but yeah, I think it is, and it's sort of related to what Mark's saying. I think it's especially true in a pandemic. Not to get too far down this rabbit hole, but I am glad we sort of mentioned the deeper implications of all this. Because for me, I think what set me off is the insane amount of just um, thinking in dichotomies about everything, right? Like if you're not in Europe, you are bad at soccer. Like I actually consider myself maybe a little bit of a Euro snob. I mean, you are an Arsenal fan, so. Right. And I think Jordan Morris should be a starter on the U.S. men's national team. It's like, it just makes me sad. And I guess I should check myself too when we can't think of nuance 
I don't care if we're talking about soccer or something bigger. It's like, let's dial it back. And we can get into why, where the nuance is later when we actually talk about Jordan Morris. But that's just well, let's, one piece let's, I want. Let's to do that right on. now. Let's, de- let's deal with the facts. Right now, Jordan Morris has six goals in the league and five, five assists. His six goals in 709 minutes puts him roughly fourth in the golden boot race. Uh, Diego Rossi, uh, designated player for LAFC, Seattle's op- opponent on Friday night, has 10. He scored like most of those in Orlando, and he hasn't been very good since he's gotten back. Jordan Morris is playing like one of the best players in the league right now. That is a fact. You can not think the league is very good. We're on this podcast and you're listening to this podcast because you like the Sounders. So you think that this league is worth watching. So that's a fact right now. And you like, you can't disagree with that. You can't disagree with how well Jordan Morris is playing right now. Yeah. And you can't, you also can't disagree with the production that he's showed when he's been called into the national team, which is my biggest point, but to the other points that you were making that I wanted to touch on because I didn't really uh, touch on it in my article as much as I, as I wish I had in retrospect. So I'll just touch on it now. Where I'm coming from on all this is I just want people to allow themselves to be hyped on Jordan Morris. Mm-hmm. I, like, like you said, soccer is supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be enjoyable. I watch him every week. You can take it from me, from me or you can dismiss it because, you know, I cover the Sounders or whatever, but this guy is a beast, all right? You, it's okay to be excited about that. It's one of the only beacons of hope we've got regarding the national team right now. There's a few out there, but he's definitely one of them. And let's say he does become the type of player for the national team consistently that he is at the club level, which he's shown signs of doing. I don't think you can overstate like how potentially big that could be for our team. I mean, you're talking about a very dynamic winger to go along with guys like Christian Pulisic and Weston McKinney and Tyler Adams. I mean, go down the list. Like to me, you throw a, uh, top caliber Jordan Morris into that you're talking about a lineup that looks way better and way more competitive and that's exciting so just uh let yourself enjoy it um like it's not you don't have to be cynical about every little thing and on top of that the cynicism isn't borne out by how he's been playing recently at all okay like that's just those are just the facts like I don't know what to tell you well and to add on to those facts, who are some of the bigger transfers to leave MLS recently? Alfonso Davies, Miguel Almiron. Uh, I know Almiron hasn't been a hit, but he started – or not started. I think he made 36 Premier League appearances last year, and obviously Davies is maybe the best left back in the world. So even if you – I just – it's hard for me to understand how you can say the best players in MLS aren't on par – with you know at least solid starters D- Davies was leagues. a bum in MLS just just to be clear he was yeah I thought his last year, I thought his last year he was playing pretty well I'll say that I'm, I'm only I'm only point. joking but yeah yeah right it, well, and it builds to the point which is just a we have to understand MLS is a better league than it was five or ten years ago or like especially when Kyle Beckerman and Brad Davis started U.S. men's national team games, and it was a little depressing. At World Cups. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the league is better, and it's just like factually we've seen 
players producing at Morris's level have success in Europe and their national team. So, so yeah, I think Jeremiah, you tweeted something recently, or I feel like an iteration of this tweet comes out every time Jordan Morris has a good game, um, kind of rolling his performances over like the last 30 games or whatever. Mm-hmm. And like the Sounders have won like 24 of those last 30 games that he has played in or something like that. Is is that right? Or I can't remember the exact stat. I, I don't remember. I, I, the, the last one, I, I think the last time I looked at this, I looked at something like his last 24 MLS, like regular season starts or something. And he had, the Sounders were like 17. I don't remember exactly, but they have a, a very good record when he starts um, over these last, basically since he got back from the gold cup last year and um, some, you know, they're averaging like 2.2 points per game, something like that, which would be like a record pace for a team to maintain over the course of a whole season. And I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I just think that's, that's to me what this comes down to is Jordan Morris is playing really well. Uh, and as long as he's producing for his national team, which he is, I just want, like, I, I just, my thing is like, I just think he needs to be judged on, the basis of how, whether or not he's helping the U S national team win games. And exactly. I understand the desire Like there is, cause I think it is a little bit more of a nuanced argument than where some, maybe then certainly that some people are putting forward uh, like in the anti side, but I think it's also important to frame this, that I think a lot of people are hopeful that like the Tim Weahs, that the Gio Reynas, that, you know, the Josh Sargent's, like these guys who are very much still coming into their own in Europe will eventually push Morris down the depth chart. But I think that that's hope. That's, that's a hope. That's not right. necessarily, like he's not, yeah. they aren't there yet. And it would be a real shame to see a Tim Wea start over Jordan Morris right now based on nothing other than, he's, you know, he's on PSG's uh, books. He's at Lille now and he's constantly hurt, so... Yeah, you have to you have to earn it, and I think the players understand and respect that too. I yeah. think it starts to look really weird in the national team camp if guys who aren't playing. I mean, and yeah, when Jurgen Klinsmann put Julian Green, let's say, over at Landon Donovan, it was a head scratcher, and it didn't pan out. Like you got to let players earn things. Yeah, and I and I think that one of the other things that that kind of frustrates me is this idea that like, well, Burhalter doesn't seem to really like Morris, and I don't know where people are getting this from. Yeah, I don't know about that. Jordan yeah. Morris was called into camp when he was still rehabbing from his knee injury. Yeah, he was out for and a year. That was year like the first camp got, that Burhalter yeah. had, and he's he's started something like six of the ten competitive games that Burhalter's coached. Like Jordan Morris clearly is a player that the national team pool likes and the coaches like and i think this is completely a debate that seems to be happening in like soccer twitter yeah and, oh, like, soccer podcast. and reddit if there's and one reddit, thing yeah I'm sure not, yeah, yeah. It, it's like my point is that it's it's about. not even it's it's barely a mainstream argument um but there are some but that's kind of like i think the what it really shows is that the u.s national team is in this weird place and i don't know that there's another national team in the world that gets looked at this way but they treat but, but fans of the US national team treat it like it's their club. And so it's like right. they look at, you know, they're like spending time going through the 
the, the youth national teams and looking at every call up and doing all this stuff. And certainly we like feed into that to some degree, but it's just a, a different, a whole different mentality. Like I just don't think fans of the Brazilian national team are sitting around talking about 15 year olds who are, you know, five deep on the depth chart. Preach. No. Because they have, yes, I could not, I, I feel so strongly about the point Jeremiah just made. I'm having trouble articulating a point of my own. But it is very important to get excited and to help the youth grow because obviously the youth system needs to get better in order for our national team to get better. But when you extrapolate that out to caring so deeply about results of under 23 games in Europe or U16 men's national team games, it's like the actual powers do not care because they know only one out of those 10 players is actually going to pan into something. So once you start elevating those guys above the guys who are actually producing at a pro level now, you're in like a really weird space that doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, Oh, go ahead, Tim. Oh, just mentioning Jordan's knee injury kind of makes me think there's – you know, the conversation does become so binary of like Jordan Morris is good or Jordan Morris is bad that I think even on the Jordan Morris is good side, we lose some of the, you know, the nuance to not only how good Jordan Morris is, but how he's gotten to that place that, you know, when he first entered the league in his rookie season, he was this very raw product who was fast and kind of strong but he hadn't really grown into his body that much yet um and he could score but he unless it was like a pretty simple cutback he wasn't really setting people up then his almost his entire second season was riddled with varying injuries that really kept him from hitting full speed and at that time i remember having conversations with people that were sort of like well you know what if that particular elite speed is the thing that makes Jordan really great. Like if the difference of 5% of his speed is enough to make him just like an okay player, what are the things that he needs to develop? Then he came back and seemed like he was doing pretty well ahead of that 2018 season does his knee and is out for the rest of the season and seems to have really like, taken those lessons to heart and seems like he really studied the game looked at what do I need to do if I don't have that speed anymore and then he got his speed back like Mm -hmm. he's become a completely different player who his off the ball movement has improved drastically his ability to track back and play defense is pretty unrivaled for actually good attacking wingers in the league at least Um, and his passing and crossing has gotten legitimately good, even with his left foot. Um, he, yeah, like he just has grown so much and he's 25 going on 26. Right. So, I mean, if he's still developing like this, I'm not saying that he's going to continue this like exponential growth until he's 30, but if he still has you know even five percent more to grow or maybe even more than that like yeah i think he could 
put himself in the running for an MVP season in MLS. And then if there's a scenario that makes sense for him to go to Europe, like I think he could go and be successful in like a legit league in Europe, but I don't know, like he doesn't have to do that to be good. And beyond that, I just don't know how someone could not like Jordan Morris. He seems like a Disney <laughs> prince came to life and became a professional soccer player. Um, I just, I just have a couple more things to say, and then we can we don't have to spend the whole episode on this. I, we were talking off air about how much time we wanted to devote to it, but uh, I mean, so most of the uh, responses that I got to the article I put out on Sounder at Heart. We're, uh, we're, we're positive and more reasonable than the responses I got to my initial tweet. Uh, but I did get a couple that were like, you know, this isn't as big an issue as you're making it. You're, you're essentially defending a position that doesn't need to be defended to this degree. And I mean, trust me, I agree that it shouldn't be a position that needs to be defended to this degree. But it's, it's not true that it's like me who's the one who's made this an issue. I mean, this has been going on for years. Like I said, yeah. it's, it's pervasive. I'm just responding to what I see. So I'm not the one who brought it up to begin with or I'm going out of my way to like bring it up. I think if anything, over the five years that this has been going on, I try to avoid it because I see how toxic the Twitter discourse gets. I've sent out a couple tweets over the years, but uh, I've never really gotten into it before this. But uh, like I wouldn't, this wouldn't have happened uh, of me just pulling it out of a hat. So uh, I wanted to clarify that. and I guess I'd just say the the last thing that I find so frustrating about this is you're just you're talking about something that would actively make the team worse. You know, like if if he's not the national team, it, the yeah. national team, it, it, the team is <laughs> worse right now. Like without him starting, I think you know, and that's why I'm kind of back to being bullish on my original take that he's pretty much proven at this point that he should be starting. And the thing is, man, like you have to have an alternative, you know, you can't just make the argument that like Jordan Morris doesn't deserve to be in the picture because he plays an MLS, which that's, like I said, that's not me making it up. That's something that a lot of people argue pretty adamantly, but then not have any ideas for what you, for who you would put in there instead of, instead of him. I mean, some of the names you guys, not you guys, some of the names that people came at me with were just, it, it's, it's a joke, Crazy. man. It's, it's, la- it's laughable. And, like, I don't want to name anybody specific on that, but, I mean, we put a graphic in my piece of all the top, tacker, top attackers in the pool and their career stats for the national team. And the reality is, right now, in our attack, we've got Jordan Morris and Christian Pulisic and that's it. Like, I like Josh Sargent. I'm hoping he's the striker of the future. He hasn't proven it. Uh, and Josie Altidore, Josh Sargent, and Giassi's artists, who are three of the names on that list, those are all strikers anyway. So we're not even talking about the same position. If you want to go down to wingers, the only ones that were on that list were Tyler Boyd and Tim Weah. Okay? Tyler Boyd, he plays in Turkey. His U.S. national team stats, he has two goals and one assist in 507 minutes good for a 0.53 goals and assists per 90, okay? Tim Weah, one goal, one assist in 512 minutes, 0.35 goals and assists per 90. I understand 500 minutes is a small sample size, but, you know, 
It's not like either of those guys were just lighting it up every time they've been called in and, and should even really be part of the discussion themselves right now, in my opinion. I mean, I, I like them both as players. I'm, I'm high on Tim Weah. Like, I think it's, you know, cool that he's playing in France. But, I mean, this idea that he's, like, the guy or something, like, you can't say that. You cannot tell me that. If he was on like, any other national team, no one would care about Tim Weah yet. Like, hardcore fans would be like, oh, he might be promising in a few years. Yeah, exactly. So, and, like, I'm, it's not to get down on those guys at all. Like, I think Tyler uh, Boyd has shown some great. nice things when he's, when he's gotten his opportunities. Tim Weah, like Mark said, has been hurt a lot, so it's kind of hard to tell where he's at right now. But you've got Jordan Morris at 10 goals, 8 assists in 1,763 minutes for .92 goals and assists for 90. Like, it's not – it's not hard to figure out, man. Like it's, it's, it's right there in front of you. If you open your eyes. So, uh, I mean, I, I just, Oh, okay. Uh, I got so many Gio Reyna. So we're Gio Gio Reyna was like everyone's (laughs) like damning reply. You want to know how many senior national team caps Gio Reyna has zero. None. Okay. He, I get that he's on Dortmund. He has like 15 first team appearances. He has two goals for them. They were both in the in the German Cup. All right. So just get out of my mentions with Tyler Boyd, Gio Reyna, and Tim Weah. That's all I have to say about that. And the people that need to hear that the most aren't going to listen to this. And they're not going to hear this podcast at all. But it felt good for me to say. It's good therapy. Any, anyways, uh, Jeremiah, the Sounders going to beat LAFC on Friday night. I think he's muted. Yeah, but. no, I uh, yeah, it was muted there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, that's a good question, Mark. But what we do know is that uh, Carlos Vela is definitely not going to play, and Edward Atuesta probably isn't in line to start. Which are that's their two best players. Yeah, those are probably their. Well, I don't know, Diego Rossi. I think you downplayed Diego Rossi's production a little bit since he's got ten goals. I think four of them have come in the the six games since uh, the end of the tournament, but. Uh, we don't need to get into that. Um, I, I mean, it's going to be, a, it'll be an interesting game. I, I think that Sounders definitely should feel good about this one. They've been on a week long break. This, uh, this schedule has actually been pretty kind to them. All things considered the, uh, the postponement of the galaxy game ended up being kind of so far has been this gift that has kept on giving in terms of their ability to rest. they, they got a week off between games uh, going into – which one was that? That was going into the San Jose game, right? Uh, no. RSL game. Was it the RSL? I guess they – yeah, I guess they got some extra time off for the RSL game. But um, – and I guess maybe that didn't pan out so well. But they – you know, they, they're, they're going to be on longer rest than LAFC, I think, going into this game. Um, they're playing at home. The schedule's definitely going to get tougher for them, but so far you gotta you got to like their chances for sure. I mean, I think that they should feel like this is a game that they should win. LAFC played Portland last Saturday. They played on Sunday. Sunday. What, so what, what is a day? Anyways. Uh, I don't think LAFC is as good as the myth of LAFC, um, especially if Carlos Vela isn't going to play. Um, yes, of course – Bradley Wright Phillips is one of the best goal scorers this league has ever seen, has ever seen. And uh, 
he fits what they do, but I just think they're a mess defensively. Uh, Jordan Harvey is still probably their best left back, and he's like 10 years older than I am. Um, and I'm almost 30. <laughs> so, uh, they, you know, I think that they have missed on a lot of their signings, and uh, something Jeremiah and I were talking about earlier today is um, kind of <clears throat> the Sounders' approach to building their roster. And, you know, of course, they have um, their Nicol Sodero and Raul Rui Diaz, who are just top, top-level designated players in this league. But the drop – there's there is some drop-off to kind of the next best player on the team or, and, and who they've made a designated player in Jao Paulo. But uh, how they have spent their, their allocation money and how they've kind of used the uh, roster mechanisms to their advantage, like we've spent the first 20 minutes of this podcast talking about with uh, Brad Smith, I think goes to show you that the Sounders top – top to bottom are a better team than LAFC. I think Carlos Vela is better than anybody on the Sounders, let me be clear. But I think if if you're going to if you're going to take the entire team, I think the Sounders are better than LAFC. Does anybody want to go out on that limb with I'll me? I'll hop I'll hop on that. I think Yeah, I think over the course of a full season they're better than LAFC, especially I think losing Walker Zimmerman was a bigger loss than they realized. I, yeah, the whole fattening of the middle part of the roster that Loggerway has done consistently since he got here, I think has been one of the most slept on stories in MLS. And I'm sort of surprised that it isn't the new norm. I guess not every team can go out and afford to have 11 TAM players. But it is extremely helpful. And that said, just coming up on the game this Friday – Despite that, that we've made the roster better in the middle, if you lose your two best, two of your three best players, the Sounders wouldn't be that good either. And I think one of the fun things about LAFC this year is that last year they won the Supporter Shield relying on their depth about as little as any MLS team had to do. And this yeah, it's year, like pretty remarkable that they it was, it was remarkable. And this year they've gotten unlucky, and it's like, oh, it turns out you're an MLS team just like the rest of us if you lose your best two guys, and in fact, maybe even more. Uh, you're not going to be that good. And, yes, Diego Rossi's probably up in their top tier of players. However, Edward Atuest is the one that I don't think that yeah. anyone on the roster who can do what he does. And it's certainly, in my opinion, maybe yeah, the most underrated player in MLS. So Everybody's talking about he's the next $20 million right. uh, uh, player that gets sold to Europe or whatever. So I was going to bring him up as the potential X factor for this game just because they – they haven't had him for the last few weeks, and they got him back in their last game, I think. I don't know if he's, like, 90 fit yet or how much of a role he's going to play. But, I mean, he really is uh, as important as Carlos Vela is to their team. He's very important as well, and they didn't have him in the first meeting. So if there's any reason to think that this game uh, – there's, there's reason that this game won't go like the last one, if he's playing a significant role um, – you know that could that could change things. I don't know if it will, but uh, that's a big that's a big name they're getting back. I think the counter to that that I would make is that you know the first time these two teams met this season, or I guess this year because it was in the 
knockout rounds of MLS's back, which wasn't this season because semantics. G- game uh, literally doesn't exist on any sort of record. It never happened. <laughs> I refuse to believe that it did. Uh, Joao Paulo didn't play. And while there may be a drop-off from, you know, those top two stars in the Sounders lineup to their third DP, Joao Paulo, he is an incredible Gomez Andrade also didn't play. Yes. Um, those two so significantly changed the way that the Sounders play. Um, well, in terms of style of play, he's similar to Atuesta in terms of what he does for us. Yeah. And opinion. his absence also really limited the Sounders' ability to sort of break the press that L.A. put on them. Mm-hmm. Um, Joao Paulo, according to American Soccer Analysis, by goals added, which for people who are not familiar is a similar concept to XG applied to all of the other aspects of a player's game. Uh, Joao Paulo is the fifth best center mid or defensive mid in the league by that metric. Um, And he just makes the midfield so much smoother. Uh, And the combination of him and Christian Roldan is really, really good at, you know, playing out of a press, avoiding that pressure. They cover so much ground so well together. Um, I think having him is going to be huge for this game. And as sort of a small aside, if patterns mean anything, since MLS's back tournament, uh, LAFC have lost two games, won a game, lost two games, won a game, lost two games, and then this would be the game that – or, yeah, no, it's the other lost way two around. games. They, they, they beat Portland in their last game. Right, so they lost two games, won a game, lost two games, won a game. Now they're going to so lose this two would games. be the beginning <laughs> of two losses in a row. I like uh, that. <laughs> and they've uh, been giving up goals like they're – yeah candy at a parade so they're not good defensively right now that's yeah. just yeah uh, very quickly i'm going to go to each one of you and because uh, we've almost been doing this for an hour and uh i think that's enough of that um uh, i'm going to ask you who you think the center back partnership is and i'm going to ask you uh for a score prediction jeremiah so i'm going to go with Ariaga and Jay Moore. I, I know there's a, a valid argument against Ariaga there, uh, but I, I just really think that he gives the Sounders the best upside. And if he's going to work out, this is a game where you gotta, you gotta let him rip. Him. Oh, score. I, you gotta give me a score, Jeremiah. Oh, let's let's go two one Sounders. Tim. I think it's probably that same center back pairing, Ariaga and Gomez Andrade. Uh, I think three two. I think it's a shootout and the Sounders win. Okay, Ari. I'll uh, I'll change it up and go uh, Yamar Shane O'Neill. Uh, I don't know. It just seems like in a in a first choice universe Shane O'Neill actually has seemed to be the guy lately no so uh um I'll go with that although I could easily see it being Ariaga Yamar too um scoreline so last time the Sounders 
had an opponent at home that we thought they should be. I don't know. I, I don't know if you guys did a podcast before the Quakes game. I wasn't on it, so I didn't make a prediction for that. But last time I did, we all thought they were going to be Portland at home, and it uh, the predictions backfired and they lost the game and we were all wrong uh so with that in mind i'm in mls is a weird league you can think you know the results based on the lineups and current form and it just uh goes out of whack on you so i'm going to take the coward's way out and predict a 3-3 draw 3-3 wow casey yeah yeah i'm gonna go jamar and ariaga i officially declared myself to my limited twitter followers as part of the hobby hive yesterday so i have to stay strong with that i think he was one of the best three or four players on the field against san jose and i know there was the pk but i also thought that game showcased exactly why he might could still turn into a superstar in this league with his passing out of the back. So I think you have to ride that hand and just let him learn the defense if side of the ball. And if he doesn't do it, then, you know, we'll go from there. But I think you got to give him the opportunity. And I'm going to go bold. I think the Sounders are on a roll. I think LAFC is a mess. Let's go 3-0 Sounders. Wow. Oh, and I would be remiss if I did not shout myself out for predicting an 8-0 scoreline on Twitter before the San Jose game that that I do not think got the attention it deserved. Whoa, I didn't even see that. You have like 120 followers. That is why. Uh, So you superstars have to shed my light. Yeah, you were wrong. I would have shed that light if I'd seen that, Casey. Yeah, so so we all – I appreciate that, Ari. we all think the Sounders are going to win, except Ari. He thinks that the Sounders are going to score three goals, which is still a lot of fun. That Sign me up for that Friday night, that's for sure. Uh, nobody asked me, but I'm going to pick Shane O'Neill. Um, just for the sole reason that last time we played LAFC, we won 3-1. Brian Spetzer loves patterns. He started. I think Shane O'Neill will play. Uh, and I think they'll, they'll, he'll still kind of uh, bring um, – Ariaga along this season. Uh, I, I think we'll win. I'm going to go with the Jeremiah way. I'll, I'll go 2-1. Although no game ever ends 2-1, if you think about it. So uh, I'm going to be wrong, but that's okay. But as long as the Sounders win. Uh, I'd like to thank all of you for spending uh, some of your afternoon on Thursday with me. Uh, thank you very much. Remember, soccer is supposed to be very fun, and soccer is very fun when Jordan Morris is good. Jordan Morris is good. So let's go Sounders. Let's beat LAFC. Thanks.